All right, welcome to another episode of Twice Told Tales. Today we have Jerome Muhammad with us uh, to discuss uh, the events that are happening right now in Sudan. And uh, we really appreciate you being here with us, uh, Jerome. Yeah, uh, thanks for... uh... I don't want to get Sahara's Chris. name wrong. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris is there. I know yeah, we just her met. Name is Chris, but I don't want to. She invited me, so I didn't want to get her name. Sahara, yeah. right? Okay. Sahara. Sahara. Right. Yeah. Sahara. All right. Or, see, I got it wrong. With our American accents, we can get away with Sahara, but it's not, <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> so where where are you where are you based now? I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right, I'm, I'm in right Atlanta. Outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So to explain you why you know about Sudan is you, uh, your wife is Sudanese, so you have a. I and married two Sudan. years ago. Satara was supposed to come to the wedding. Exactly, oh. I wasn't oh, invited. I couldn't make it. Yes. Yeah. And you, you've Badly. lived in Sudan for quite a while. Not. I've been to Sudan. Uh, okay. Going back to the. Uh, uh, late uh, 1990s, um, quite a few times, you know, doing fact finding, uh, met with uh, Hassan uh, Tarabi, uh, 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 met with uh, Bashir, you know, they had a big celebration in his home village. So we uh, traveled to the home village. It was a group of us journalists that were traveling a- across Sudan, you know, Darfur, etc. Right. You know, seeing the lay of the land and what was going on so we could you know, it was, was journalists, print, uh, TV, uh, you know, and radio. And then we broadcast back to the U.S. Uh, okay. from, uh, from Khartoum. So uh, did did a lot of that, you know, covered the elections in 2010, I think the original elections, first elections where Bashir was uh, voted in as, as the president. And then the next year they had the uh, referendum. So I came back. You know, and you know, continued to report on the referendum, reported on the elections. Car- uh, Carter was there with his organization, uh, monitoring the election. So I was. Yeah, doing... uh, you're talking about the referendum in the South. Uh, yeah, yeah, the referendum. Yeah, I was there. I was there. Oh, I was there, there with okay. the See, Carter. I didn't, I didn't go Carter to uh, to uh, Juba. Yeah, Carter. Carter in 2010 was in Khartoum. He, well, and, and then in eleven, he was in Juba, and I was there with. Oh, them. you did. See, I, I was back in the U.S. I didn't go to Juba, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I know nothing back. about the. You know about the north. I know about the south. So we have very different <laughs> different knowledge. That's a good complementary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's great to have you here with your knowledge, and. Uh, but we're also we're also in a very stressful time because your your wife is in Khartoum and in admits admit. admit amidst this violence. So I understand it's very, it's a very worrisome time to see what's going on. And I think yeah, a lot of Americans yeah. don't quite understand what's going on because the media here never reports on Sudan uh, unless it's a, unless it's a bad story. So, uh, well, maybe- yeah, the, the, the press, there is a lot of press right now about Sudan. I mean, all the major networks are covering Sudan because uh, you know, the, you attack a, 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 a convoy of uh, representatives from the ambassador. Yeah, maybe <laughs> go through that. What just happened with that? What happened coverage. with this convoy? Yeah, t- well, yeah tell us about that because we don't know. 
Yes. According to Blinken, who in Japan at the G7, he calls Burhan and he calls Hemedi. Burhan is the head of the military. Uh, Hemedi is the head of the uh, rapid force support force. So, and they're fighting each other right now. So he calls both of them, but it's actually, as is being reported, uh, the rapid support force that attacked this U.S. convoy with American flags on all the cars. So, you know, so you know exactly who they are. So, but they were attacked. But according to the reports, no one, no one was injured. But Blinken, of course, was upset. So, yeah, that that is fascinating that the uh, uh, rapid, uh, what is it, attack? RAF? A, a rapid support force. Or, 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 RSF. RSF. Yeah. So the what, RSF, what do they do? What, yeah, what, what do they do and what's their origin and why are they fighting with the government? Well, they were sanctioned in 2017 as a, as a you know, a legal security force in, uh, in Sudan. Um, they, so they were sanctioned uh, by the Sudanese government? Sudanese government? Well, this military government under Bahrain, yes. Okay, right, right, <laughs> not the Bashir. Uh, yeah, right, right. So you got the two players are Abdul Fatah El Burhan, who's the head of the military and head of the Sovereign Council. Now, and the 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 head of the uh, Rapid Support Force is Mohammed Hamdan Daglo, or Hamedi, as he's generally called. Uh, 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 he's, of course, the head of the RSF or the Rapid Support uh, Force. And, and this grew out of Darfur, where this militia group was called some years ago, uh, Janjaweed, and they were created as a kind of alternative force, personal force for Bashir. And they were fighting in uh, uh, in the Darfur area. Uh, and, two, and fast forward to 2019, they uh, joined forces after becoming legitimate in 2017, they joined forces with the military and overthrew uh, uh, Bashir. So now you have these two forces who are currently fighting one another uh, for, for power. What uh, Burhan wanted to do, he, he wanted to integrate the rapid support force into the military and make it one military. Now, these aren't cats that are militarily trained. I mean, they're basically thugs. I mean, even even uh, Hermetic doesn't have military training. Uh, but what my wife recently told me was, uh, and 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 I found out from one of my friends who was a colonel in the uh, Sudanese army. He joined, you know, because the, the financial situation is, is such in, in, in Sudan where, you know, employment is hard to come by. And, and, and you know, and 
they're having some serious economic problems there in the country. So, so, so a lot of these former uh, members of the Sudanese government or Sudanese military are joining the RSF. And one of my friends, uh, Ahmed uh, Omar, recently joined this militia group. And uh, I'm sorry to say he, you know, in the last few days, he lost his leg. Uh, and he's in hospital under did, severe security. I don't, know, I don't know exactly what the circumstances wow. are, but he's leading these RFS cats, you know, who are fighting uh, the illegitimate military. And so he was a colonel. He, he was a colonel in the in the uh, Sudanese uh, army, right? Right, right. And he was forced out because he didn't agree with some of the policies. When they invaded that camp that I mentioned, in 2019, he was there representing the military as a colonel. And he didn't agree with some of the policies in terms of uprooting those protesters. And so he supported them and got on their side against his own military. You know, and that was so, during the coup, during the Bashir coup, a coup against Bashir, right? Now this wasn't a coup, this was just a demonstration. Right. The coup was, uh, by the military, the coup right. was by. It, uh, it was this, allied with that. This all, yeah, this was they all the going on at the same side. time. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so, so is this current RSF agitation uh, against the Sudanese uh, coup government? Is it because they're doing it on behalf of the what they view as the legitimate government of Sudan, and they want to get rid of this coup government and reinstall the Bashir aligned forces? Is that what we're looking I, at? I can't. I, I, I'm. 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. All I know is, uh, Hamede is fighting for his life, you know, for his legitimacy, and to maintain the RSF. Uh, but he views his RSF as a allied allied in spirit with the Bashir government that was that was like unjustly no, 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 no. toppled no they, they remember they overthrew the bashir government bashir no. was locked up and he's right, still, in, right. still under lockdown you know uh the government the icc wants to you know prosecute him but for some reason i'm not sure uh burhan is holding on to bashir what's going to happen in the future i really don't know Maybe he took kids from uh, from Juba to teach them music classes in Sudan, like they're trying to prosecute Putin for. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, uh, we never know. The ICC is not to be trusted, especially when it involves African uh, leaders. So yeah, well, I'm, um, I'm I'm in agreement, but I'm just saying he was indicted yeah. by the ICC, and the government said that they were going to hand him over, but at some point they decided not to. So uh, where he is, you know, he, I know he was in jail. I know he was in hospital, but I think he's under house arrest. So I know he has some leeway, you know, I mean, he's not in the uh, security uh, prison where he originally was. He was let go. And I think he was put under house arrest. If he's still there or not, I, I'm not because I know he had some health issues. So I'm not sure where he is. Well, so let me just propose a hypothetical so I can understand how you understand the power dynamic. Let's say the RSF 
uh, stumbled upon Bashir's prison and got him out, what would they do with him? Would they cheer and run, uh, like, no, cheer, no, no, cheer no, that no. they have their leader back, or, the, or would they kill him? No, no. See, you have Fatah, you have Burham, and you have Hamedi. They had joined forces. You had to. Yeah. Right? Right, okay. So, so they were in league with each other. You know, they, they created this sovereign council. Uh, Burham right. was the head of the sovereign council. Uh, Hamedi was the deputy head of the sovereign council. So you have this one group. You know, what was supposed to take place was a transitional government headed by the military. And then, you know, elections would take place in the, in, uh, over a two-year period. That never took place. Okay, okay, so what we're seeing is we're seeing a fraction of the council that was supposed to lead to a transitional government. And all of these parties basically are, are anti-Bashir parties to some level. So they're, they're now squabbling over who's gonna control the, the pie. They, they have Bashir in prison, and then there you have the, the Sudanese army, and then this, this breakaway group uh, that came out of Darfur, the RSF, and they're now basically having a, a turf war uh, over who may lead to greater control. It was a, break, well, it was a breakdown of, of well, this group. Really what it is, they're vying for power. Yeah, okay. Hermeti wants to stay in power. He wants to maintain his RSF, his rapid support force. He wants them, you know, and he has much wealth and he wants to maintain that, you know, and sure. then you have, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm getting calls from Sudan. All right, <laughs> take it. Go ahead and take it. No, no, no. no okay. That's not, that's, that's, that was a friend. That wasn't my uh, wife. Okay, okay. So, all right. You know, if it was my wife, I'd hang up. I would. I, yeah, I please do. Don't. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, but let me. Here's here's something I had written written about what what they actually represent. Uh, one of the defining faces of the regime is the extent to which it has uh, penetrated the economy and especially rural society. This. It has militarized much of the commercial sector and increasingly the rural sector as well. And extensive commercial enterprise is owned by number two, that's Hamedi. Okay. General Hamedi and his rapid support force who are the de facto governing power in Darfur, because they're, they're originally from Darfur, from that region, and, and they've dispersed throughout the country. And the depth, you know, this kleptocratic control and the entanglements of this kleptocratic system in the regime with Egypt, the Gulf states, etc means that this is actually a different regionalized form of kind of military government that will be hard to uproot. And this is from an interview that I did some, some years ago. Remember, this force which 
some say is 70,000, some say it's nearly 100,000. I'm still talking about the rapid support force, you know, is, 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 is being uh, purchased, their services is being purchased. They were being purchased in, uh, in Libya uh, or utilized in Libya and in, uh, what's the country, in Yemen. They have so who, who was paying for that? That's uh, very interesting. Saudis, United <clears throat> Arab Emirates, they were waging the war with the uh, the Saudis or for so the they Saudis. were on the on the side of the U the US is the US is Saudi side. Allies. So that's where I would worry about this in Sudan is this sounds like a this whenever there's a breakup of power like this, it can be easily uh, used by stronger forces to 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 put their their wishes to have their wishes well, the, carried the, out. The problem the problem is every, <clears throat> you're not going to give me your question again. So basically, I just want to know where the geopolitics of this fight are going to go because Sudan has a lot of oil. It's very geopolitically uh, uh, important. Well, that, Israel that, Israel has had a, a bullseye on Khartoum for for decades, and uh, the, that's the part South, of why there was the referendum because the, the referendum, South, the southern forces were allied with Israel and the U.S. and were funded, and that's why eventually you had this referendum project because it was a, it was George Bush and uh, and Israel that that made that thing happen. So, right. yeah. Yeah, So, but, but remember, the referendum was to divide the country. And, and on the southern side of Sudan got all the oil. That's where the oil is located. Yeah, well, yeah. The North, the, yeah. The north had infrastructure. The, right. It had the pipeline and it had the coast. So they there's still some oil, but yeah. But it's also strategic. In how it can I mean, well, pressure well, I know Egypt. It's strategic, but you yeah. were asking about the oil and oh, no, oil I'm just saying resource-wise, there's a lot of foreign foreigners who want to come in there and manipulate Khartoum. They want to manipulate the shipping routes. So, like, uh, yeah, uh, so like you're talking about like ports. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, all that. Yeah, where the Russians want to uh, uh, build a military base or a, a naval base. Sure, the U.S. wants to prevent that at all costs, so they're going to try right. and get the government on their side. Yeah. And then the other thing is with the Ethiopians and the building of the dam, which is just about completed. Right. So if, if Sudan is is disrupted, then you have all these outside forces that are affected by this this disruption. Right. And one so, of the main so players is the RSF, which now I didn't know I didn't know they were actually. <laughs> mercenary force too, but that really brings into picture because if RSF was getting Saudi funding, they're already connected into this uh, network of, of mercenary funding. So they they may be getting uh, U.S. money right now. They may be getting Saudi they money They could now. be. I mean, you know, uh, 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 Hermedi has, uh, has, has been lobbying. He has a, uh, a U.S. Uh, a lobbyist who I think <laughs> is a former congressman. We you should know, find I out who that is. Pulled, we should I find. Pulled, we should. I pulled this stuff up. Hold here, here is. In who is that? To backing from a Western lobby firm, Hamedi also received a public relations boost from a former U.S. congressman, James Moran, who visited Sudan 
This is about two years ago, last week, and met with the Sudanese leader. Moran now a senior legislative advisor and lobbyist at the law firm McDermott, Will, and Emery spoke at what appears to be a rally in Khartoum after meeting with Hermati, okay, that was his yeah. time with the general and saying he was impressed with everything he met, including the Sudanese leader. Moran's visit gave Hermeti a potential public relations when reinforcing the perception, at least in state media, that he was backed by the international community. During the rally, Moran incorrectly introduced the U.S. Senator uh, Hermeti and the junta have shut down regular internet access to Sudan. And Moran's visit was displayed on state TV, making the speech the only information that many Sudanese have regarding the international community's uh, stance toward the general. So well, he this was the, the head of the this kind of task force or whatever it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah, the governing council that they set up, which was is now breaking down because I think what's what's clear is that the, you have <clears throat> the Sudanese military was never and under Bashir was never an option for for the West to to further the division of Sudan. And now you have our RSF, which is a mercenary force. So all it is is money. You just whoever has the most money could control a mercenary force. So it seems very likely, this is my would be my interpretation of what I've heard so far, is that this is just a further division, dividing of Sudan. They just did the south. Now they're gonna now they're moving on to Darfur because Darfur has always been people in America always thought that the South and Darfur were the same war because Darfur came online around 2003 or four. That's when they started kicking off. And I was working in the SPLA offices during that time. And the SPLA guys were pissed off at the Darfur guys because they were saying, oh, they're taking all this. They're not us. They're not us. And they because they were the SPLA guys were already milking the milking the money from America. And they thought the that the Darfur guys starting these terrorist attacks were going to cut the money off because they thought all oh, the U.S. is going to get angry and then we're not going to get any more money. So. So Darfur actually was throwing a wrench into it. And so now it looks like Darfur is now becoming politically useful again to America. And they're going to probably start funding that off. And then maybe they're going to be able to get, if they can't just get Khartoum and all these uh, economic, what are the other two cities? It's Khartoum and which two others are now under, are getting bombed? Uh, Umdurran um, um, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and Port Spain. Oh wow! Wow, the port. Oh wow! So yeah, those uh, are all the. Moreau is also getting bombed, uh, and there's a conflict going on there. But most most of what's going on currently, there's no real outside influence in terms of what's happening currently. You have this these two Maybe. factions. You have the, okay. the the military, the legitimate military under uh, Burhan, and then you have the RSF under Hamedi, and they're fighting each other. Right, but I'm not saying I'm saying the under like the source of funding, the whatever. Because in the South, it was the same. Like they had their leadership, and it looked like a genuine rebel movement. But it was always having arms flights coming in, and it was always coming from from the outside. And they were they were making sure that their guys were. So it was like you have this air of like, oh, African 
you know, whatever, uh, uncontrolled violence between warlords. But in reality, there's there's bet there are people betting up from above and putting money into one side. So I'm not saying that happening or have any evidence, but it sounds very likely that the way. Yeah, this- but. Uh- but I'd, I'd rather deal with what's happening it's right true. here on the ground. What my wife is suffering as a result yep. of. Tell us about what that. My friends right. and other family members are suffering as a result of is the RSF going door to door in people's homes, arresting people, yeah. raping women, stealing cars, robbing people. Wow. I mean, it's chaos right there in Khartoum where my family members are being subjected to this militia group and there's no one not even Burhan that can well he's trying to stop it you know but he's a part of the problem so what what comes out of this i have no idea even my friends in Khartoum who i've been listening to all morning they have no idea in terms of where this is going until these two players you know, head of the military and the head of yeah. the RSF are uprooted. You know, the, wow. the, the civilian uh, participants in this freedom movement, you know, are nowhere to be found right now. They're not a real voice to be heard right now until these cats are are, are uprooted. Well, from what you hear, do you hear anyone calling for how that could happen? Like, do you have hear any people nobody, like saying that this nobody, is the solution I, to this I, problem? Nobody no, okay. knows. No, none. Nobody that I've talked to actually knows. They feel as though that it just oh, will have awful. to play itself out. How that, that happens, I, I have no idea. You know, that sounds I know terrible. from what I was told this morning that Burhan has the upper hand. I mean, he has the military. He has trained military uh, personnel. Most of uh, 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 Hamedi's troops are not trained. I mean, these, you see what they're doing in Sudan or what they're doing in uh, Khartoum. You know, I mean, invading yeah. people's houses. You know, I mean, yeah. an interesting thing that I was told by my friend who's the journalist who I mentioned is with this wealth that uh, Hamedi has accumulated from gold, he has bought up houses throughout Sudan. I mean, he's bought up real estate. In some cases, he's bought whole blocks of homes and put his own people. So to get uproot him will be hard. I mean, he does have bases in some places, but two of them I've heard have surrendered. But he still has people all over the country. And to uproot them, you know, you have to go to door to door. And in many cases, many civilians will die. Yeah, that sounds likely. At the last estimate, over 200 people were killed and roughly 2,000 people have been wounded. So wow. the casualties are increasing <clears throat> daily. And people saying this is going to escalate. I talked to a, fr- a good friend of mine, uh, Mohammed, Ab- Mohammed, I can't think of Mohammed's last name, but he owns an uh, English language newspaper. He said that he feels as though civil war is inevitable. Yeah, that's what it's. That's why I reacted to what yeah. you just said because it sounds very. I mean, much the, like the, the airport is destroyed, so people can't fly in. It's not like you can bring in, uh, 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 you know, uh, troops from other countries. You know, you know, if if, if the AU decided to come in 
and to uh, uh, kind of arrest the situation, you know, that's almost impossible. I mean, Somali ambassador said today, I think, that he's going to, uh, there are a bunch of Somali students uh, in, in, in Khartoum, you know, and they want out. So they're talking about uh, hiring buses to take them to the Ethiopian border, into wow. Ethiopia. So, you know, I mean, everything's in flux right now, you know, so nobody knows what the next move is. And most people are locked down in their homes. And remember, there's no electricity. In many cases, there's no running water. The shelves in the stores are empty. So there's no food and, 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 and there's no way for food and, and water to get into the city because of the conflict that's going on. You know, and then my brother-in-law told me there, there are these, uh, what do they call it, when, when you have troops on, on the street uh, and, and you can't drive by them. Uh, like roadblocks. Yeah, yeah road like roadblocks. So you have to yeah. go through, you know, so people don't want to go out because wow. they're scared that they may be arrested or shot, you know. So that's really what's so this? unfortunate. I don't think Americans understand how peaceful and safe Khartoum was as a city before this. Like it's it was a very quiet city. It was it wasn't. Oh, yeah, a, I've, lived, I've lived in Sudan. I've lived in Khartoum rather. It's far safer than New York or any of the capital. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, far yeah, safer, like far unbelievable. Safer. It's, it's and just, quiet it's just, and, and it's just hot. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. Well, yeah, it's boy, that's heartbreaking. I mean, that sounds like this is not going to end soon at all. Wow. No, I mean, I don't see it. how do you uproot roughly anywhere between seventy thousand and hundred thousand troops. Well, and you have all these people who are now basically. You know, the clock is ticking on how they, you know, what they can do. They're, they're not going to sit quietly and starve at home. So you're going to have a, uh, that's, well. Do, I, do I, you I, have I, any idea? Or have you heard from your friends in Sudan? Like, what is the general feeling? What do people think is going to happen? Or what are they expecting to happen? Are they also thinking that a civil war is going well, to? Well, every, everyone. Most people I've talked to said civil war seems to be inevitable. You know, um, I mean, they hear, I mean, today or it was yesterday, uh, Hermeti called for a 24 hour truce, <laughs> you know, that which is an impossibility, you know, calling for a truce. But he didn't talk to Burhan, <laughs> and it's impossible for him to talk to all his, his troops about this so-called truce that he called. But the interesting thing is getting mad press. It's getting a lot of US press, him calling for the troops. So I'm thinking this is uh, Hamedi's PR firm telling him what to do. Totally. Now, remember, he paid them a million dollars. Totally. Yeah, wow. totally, so, yeah. So, so he's getting a lot of press. I mean, he's being interviewed. He was interviewed by, on CNN. I was like, how does he get to be CNN? That's the question. You asked the exact question. That is the question. You know, when you see CNN covering something, that is a major red flag. Why would they? I mean, this is exactly. the bad guy. This is a serious bad guy. Well, and they're interviewing him as, <laughs> though, mean, he's, as though he's legit. 
I don't mean to break the news to you. If anybody you'd interview, it would be the illegitimate military, which is. Yeah, I mean, legitimate. They 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 kicked Bashir out of. They took over by force. So like legitimate, but but I hate to break to you. But Burham is running the. I'm just. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The country. Exactly. So that would be the person that you would. With interview, I mean, just like Cece, they go. You don't go to anybody other than Cece. I mean, right. Cece ain't legitimate. I mean, Cece well, came in and and overthrow the uh, 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 legitimately uh, led government. So I know, but he's but he's legitimate in that sense. You know, he's well, also if you're yeah. a journalist, if you're a CNN journalist and you fly to Khartoum, who do you apply to for press credentials? You're uh, cr- press credentials. You don't apply to the rebel army. That's storming yeah, into town and to robbing and killing people. You apply right. to the government, so you already can ask that guy because you know a press contact already. And so they skipped that and they went right to the rebel army. So that tells you where the U.S.'s alliances fall right away when you know that CNN is interviewing the rebel leader before the before the the government. So well, I mean, he he wasn't called the rebel leader. He was the deputy of chair of the government. <laughs> but they had had a disagreement because I was going to integrate my troops into the military, you know, so you can nullify me as a as you know as a legitimate leader in yeah. Sudan. You've taken away my power, and he disagreed, and then conflict erupted. Yeah, I think anyone coming out of the Janjaweed is probably never going to be official government material. Because they were uh, so well, I mean, brutal. He was a camel were... herder. He was a camel herder before that. <laughs> yeah, camel herders, but the Janjaweed are just known for their just well, civilian that, brutality. That's what, came, that's what he came out of, and then they became the rapid support force. Right, right. Because they were in Darfur. A lot of people don't get that conf- conflict. That was a conflict between people who were herders and uh, who were migratory herder yeah, herding and people, the and then the pastoralists, the people who were growing right. crops. And the, the Janjaweed were the herder group, and they were really brutal. They would just go into these farming communities and just rape and pillage and kill. And and so that's the force now that has been doctored and funded and gone international, doing their same slaughtering in Lib- Libya and Yemen. And now they're sitting there in the capital of Khartoum, and then CNN decides to interview them. So that tells you a lot. Exactly. True that, as my son would say. <laughs> wow, man, that's heavy stuff. Well, we're gonna have to keep following this story um, very closely. Yeah, Is there anything we'll... else you 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 want to tell people, or can we? Uh, uh, yeah. Is there? Was there any other yeah, questions? Any... Yeah, any questions I, for us? I think you've shed a lot of light on it, just giving us your your yeah. anecdotes. Yeah, we learned about it because I personally have no information and no idea what's going on there. And that was very insightful. But if you if there is anything you want to add, you can add and uh, I'll just tag your Twitter so people can follow you for more updates on what's going on yeah, here. And yeah, I hope- what, what I what I'll probably do is because I, I have a lot of background uh, information, you know, because I did uh, write mm-hmm. about Hamedi and uh, and, and where all of his money <laughs> comes from, you know, his gold interest, his Very interest in the Sudanese economy, you know, the money that mm-hmm. he garnered as a result of sending troops to 
uh, Yemen and, and Libya and his relationship with the, uh, the Arab world, uh, his relationship with this uh, uh, lobbying group, you know, who were former congressmen, you know, and then this, uh, yeah. this law group that came out of Canada. So he has all these relationships that have been growing since, you know, he's come, come into power in the last couple of years. So uh, Burhan, you know, head of the military, uh, where he's planning on going with this, but he, I'm thinking, because he said two years out, there'll be civilian elections, but I'm thinking he wants that position. He wants to be president. So he'll clean himself up and, and or his objective was to clean himself up and to become president. But I think the flack that he's getting and the flack that Burhan is, or uh, Hamedi is getting from this, this conflict where everybody is suffering, I think both of them are out. But then again, I don't know, because you don't know what the outside forces are thinking as well. Exactly. So, That's where, um, you know. If you hear, if you you know, hear anything about that, if you hear any kind of, any interesting anecdotes about foreign involvement of anything. I mean, I think the fact that they attacked a, a U.S. convoy, it doesn't really tell us much because if nobody was killed, then it could have even been cover for something. So who knows? But like, yeah. it, it's an well, interesting. Remember, these these are these are thugs. These aren't guys that, yeah. remember, they're, they're stealing cars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so they're just attacking <laughs> they're, anyone. They're robbing right. people on the street. Right, you know, right. They're breaking into people's yeah, homes and robbing people. They're raping women. You know, so these aren't military. You know, these are guys that uh, uh, are, you know, for pay because they they're paid by uh, uh, Hamedi, uh, who have become members of his group. And, but their their bonuses is what they can steal and rape. That's what they did in the in the that, Darfur. Yeah, yeah. They but would that's just... what they did. That's what they did in 2019. That's what they've always done. That's exactly. That's the. the yep. Yep. That's their model. Changed, you know, and you know, and there's no training that they've received, and that's partially probably why Burham wants to integrate them into the military so that they can receive the military training, as well as get rid of uh, their head uh, Hermeti. I think they also pose a great security for uh, threat to someone like that in power because it's such a a chaotic force that is just lawless, and once you turn even 70,000 young men who have no morals and no uh, to commit crimes, you can't have a police force big enough to deal with that. So it, it's obviously showing how it can destabilize the entire country for as long as, right. as they want. And uh, that's ter terrifying. So I really uh, wish uh, your wife the best. I hope, I hope she can um, get somewhere safe. I well, we all are praying, and you know she's in my duas, of course. Uh, so right after I hang up with you guys, of course I'm gonna call my brother-in-law, see what's if he's heard. All right, well we'll let you so, do that then. Yeah. Thanks a lot for, yeah. for talking to us. And let us know uh, how she's doing. I'm, I'm, I yeah, hope she will hear from her very soon. Yeah, keep us updated on that, and and also on anything that happens in Sudan. I there is anything that you want to share with us please do and okay yeah so well, thank you so much you. i know you've we, been we, you've we. been going through a lot of stress and you accepted to be interviewed i really appreciate <laughs> it thank you hey no problem
Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Tarso Tales podcast. Don't forget to support our work and share this video and subscribe to our channel. See you next episode.